Welcome to another episode of Podcast of Horror, our special Simpsons Treehouse of Horror coverage for our Halloween 2016 celebration newsaz.com. I am Matt, and joining me once again is my sister, or I should say, well, I was going to do it the intro of the podcast, but I messed that up. My sister, Karen, who also is a host on Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. Hello. Ah, you didn't do it. Oh, oh you messed up. Wow. See, you na- you've got everything. Ahoy, yeah. hoy. Oh, I had a response. I'm just going to save it for episode four. <laughs> and I'll do this the proper way this time. From the Tick versus the podcast, Derek. Hello, everybody. We have got three more Treehouse of Horror segments to go through tonight. And let me see. Take a quick look. What are we date ranges are we looking at? Now, it looks like we're all, we're all in the... Oh, no. There we go. Karen's is... We're kind of covering the... Well, a little bit of that. Not the entire span, but we got a little early 90s and we got a little early 2000s. So we got an interesting variety tonight. So I will go ahead and start. Mine is, I believe, I just edited the draft pick episode. I think this was my, uh, after my first, um, the one that I got my free pick. I think this was my first draft pick. And it's from season seven, episode six of season seven, the sixth tree house of horrors. It is Attack of the 50 Foot Eyesores. No reaction from anybody. Okay, this is going to be a good episode. <laughs> I actually think I think this was on my list yeah, originally, just, and you stole it from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one that, I mean, I, I got a lot of good ones, and you'll hear that if you listen to the draft episode. But yeah, this was definitely one I was kind of bummed I didn't get. Right, that, does, that was a comment I was going to make. This was the only one that really elicited uh, uh, much of a reaction from either of you, a- apart from, you know, we were... Co- commending each other's choices but this one actually got you two to react going ah damn it this so this is this is the one i after after our um well the whole reason for the draft if you hadn't heard that episode you should go back and hear it because it was fun but if you haven't the whole reason for the draft in the first place was to pretty much settle a fight over one particular segment that we haven't covered yet and i'm not gonna re- if you haven't heard the draft i'm not gonna reveal what that was you'll have to either listen to find out or wait till we get to it so, Attack of the 50-Foot Eyesores. This originally aired on October 29th, 1995. We have yet to actually cross into any November episodes yet, which is interesting. This will be, uh, this is our seventh one we're doing segment so far, and we haven't scratched that uh, November thing. Well, looks like we're going to, but I won't spoil that. Um, I guess I just did spoil that by saying that. So, I'll have to edit that out. So it's because you can't spoil anything with Halloween Horror Nights, so you got to do it here instead. I know, right? Yeah, I have to spoil shows that have been on for twenty years. Yeah, I'm really spoiling yeah. things for everybody. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so Attack of the Fifty Foot Eyesores. We have the. Um, I did write down the opening of this uh, episode because this was the first segment, and we have the crusty headless horseman opening. And the only other note I have on this is that from there, we have our titles and then we get to our couch gag, which was not the first couch gag for Halloween Horror Nights. Oh, Jesus. I, every episode <laughs> for Treehouse of Horrors. Uh, but this one, for some reason, like jolted me a little bit because they all dropped. I guess I, I was waiting for something to rush towards the couch, but they all dropped from the top of the screen hanging from nooses. So... My eye was trained on one thing and something else happened. So this one this one surprised me a little bit. Even though I'm sure I've seen this a dozen times, it still kind of uh, threw me for just a, a little bit of a loop for a second. And I wanted to note that down. But after that, we get into our segment. No thread, no common theme, no no story tying in, weaving in and out, tying together. We just got plain old Treehouse of Horror segments. And this one starts with Homer driving down what he calls the Miracle Mile. 
which is all of the icon iconic yet slightly altered to avoid copyright infringement eyesores that are kind of collected from all over the country and brought to this one road in Springfield. This cracks me up every time because it's like driving down 309 in Quakertown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're right. Yeah, it's like every two feet is a McDonald's, a Burger King, a Dunkin' Donuts, a blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you name it, we've got it on 309 in Quakertown. I was with and you there's until usually a giant. There's usually like a giant blue bear at the beginning of town at the car dealership. Yep. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now with the inflatables, yep. yeah, it's probably even even more so. Yep. So he reaches his destination and we get what I think is the first line of the episode that makes me laugh, but also makes me say what at the same time. And that's when he pulls up to Lard Lad and he says, there it is. The chain that put the fat in fat Southern sheriffs. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I ever noticed that one. Yeah, I don't think so either. I laughed and then I thought about (laughs) what I just laughed at and went, wait, what? I mean, yes, that phrase works, but when has that phrase ever been said before outside this episode? And I don't right. mean The Simpsons. I mean anywhere, anywhere. in the world. <laughs> but like I said, he pulled up the lard lad, which I now it now has even more of a, when I see it, I get more excited than I ever had before because there is the exact statue that is in this <laughs> show and in every appearance on The Simpsons at Springfield USA Universal Studios. I mean, right, Karen? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, right, Derek? Oh, oh! Sorry, I don't Derek. know yet. You, <laughs> I'm sorry. You'll you'll find out in April, though. Yes, sir. Yep. So that I mean, it's it's. I don't know if I. It's. I guess it's a. This is obviously yeah. Uh, obviously, the show came first, but now when I see it, I'm like, ah, that's cool because it looks just like it at, or I should say, the Springfield one looks just like it at Universal. I would hope so. Yeah, or <laughs> there would be no point of building it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and little fact. Um, I probably pointed out to Karen the giant, just as large Optimus Prime standing on top of the Transformers building is pointing directly at the Lard Lad Donut <laughs> across the lagoon. Like, give me that and a giant coffee. <laughs> but he's a robot. Yeah, I know, but well, that that's, the, that's the, what the, you the, would the, be thinking if you were him. The donut that he's pointing at isn't made out of isn't a real confection either. True. He could probably eat that. That's true. Here we go, solving problems again. Podcast of heart. Problem solvers. So Homer walks in to order a colossal donut. He says, just like the one in the sign, although he's just pointing, there's a sign that says home of the colossal donut, but I'm assuming when he means sign, he's actually pointing at the one Lard Lad is holding. Mm -hmm. So he's handed what might actually be a slightly smaller than regular sized donut. (laughs) Yeah. And his his reaction to it is like classic. It's I, I don't think I ever noticed this before until watching this to pull lines from. It's when he goes, "Don't nuts!" <laughs> yeah. So Homer's enraged. He vows that he play, he paid for a colossal donut. And he's gonna get a colossal donut, and he storms out of the shop into a very ominous sky, very dark and dreary outside. And um, I believe and correct me if i'm wrong it's hard to tell since we're not doing this in order but i think at least for the show that we're talking or i should say for our episodes we're covering this is the first time we've talked about or had an appearance by the squeaky voice teen in our coverage yes yeah i believe so 
But yeah. I don't know if it's the first time he's been in one of these. Hard to tell. This is what the sixth mm-hmm. one. It's possible it might be the first time, but it's also very possible it was not. I don't know. Like I said, that's a part that that's hard to uh, yeah kind of uh, get the check and see if anything else took place at a crusty burger <laughs> yeah, anywhere, or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> one of the uh, many, many, many places he worked. Much like yes. much like uh, Jacob in the early years of Trailer Park Boys. Right. <laughs> so he drives back later that night. And there's a news brief playing on his awesome track star hi-fi A-track star- car stereo. <laughs> That's the first good look I got at the stereo in a long time. So I wrote that right down every detail I could could see in that real quick clip. Not just A-track, hi-fi A-track. <laughs> right. Astronomers from Tacoma to Vladivostok have just reported an ionic disturbance in the vicinity of the Van Allen belt. Scientists are recommending that all necessary precautions be taken. Hey, kids, what did I know? Of course, Homer doesn't care about this warning, but the warning is that there's a ionic disturbance in the Van Allen belt, which is a very interesting thing to pick because that's like that's actually a, a real thing. I don't know if an ionic disturbance could happen and, and does do what it actually did, but that's that's a problem we're not going to solve on this episode. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> we kept Brock from doing voice. Doing the uh, radio announcement. Was it him? I mean, it was definitely Har- a Harry Shearer character, so it could have been... Ken Brockman, I'm not entirely sure. So Homer takes a chain and hook out of his car, and and in one amazing, almost unbelievable throw, he tosses the hook through the center of the Lard Lad statue donut, which then loops around the bottom of the donut, and then somehow back around to the front and hooks and locks onto the chain. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a a pretty amazing (laughs) throw. He's all the shot. Yeah. But when Homer wants something. That's true, right? Yeah. (laughs) It is donuts. I mean, come on. Right. Priorities, people. Yeah, don't underestimate the uh, power of uh, determination. Wait, power of determination? That's not a thing. It is now. It's now been canonized <laughs> in this episode. Patent pending. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he drives, the, the other end of the chain is hooked to the car. He drives away, pulling the donut right from Lard Lad's, Lard Lad's hands, and he yells, I got your donut, Lard Lad, and what are you going to do about it? And... And I was going to say, as if on cue, that's what I wrote, but it is on cue. Lightning strikes Lard Lad, and presumably lightning created from the ionic disturbance in the Van Allen belt, and the statue comes to life. So as Lard Lad breaks from his pedestal and steps into the street, he gives this great Godzilla roar, like no hiding in. That's pulled directly from the Toho Sound Archives. And then we kind of see the other eyesores as well starting to come to life as they react to his scream. So at home, back at that, back at, <laughs> you okay there? Yes. No. You when you said back at home, I immediately Im- imagined Homer. Yeah, I was gonna. I have yeah. Back at home, he's sitting in the middle of the donut in his underwear, just hanging out in the donut. And he still has the pantyhose on the top. Of oh, his that's head. right. Yeah, I forgot yeah, yeah. about they're the not pantyhose. over his yep. face, but they're still no, on his he's head. He's just got it on like a like a skull cap at that yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what makes it the funniest is he still has that on his head. Oh, and then Marge comes in to ask about the donut, and just to save time and get the story moving and still make it a good Homer line, his answer is, Well, I acquired it legally. You can be sure of that. <laughs> and I have a question. Okay. Okay. Um, do you remember the episode where um, Burns got the Simpsons, that uh, ancient Aztec head thing? Yeah, the big giant head. Yeah. Do they have like, a side entrance to the house where they can just move <laughs> these massive things in? Because 
how the hell do you get that donut in there? I know, right? <laughs> That's a good question. It's almost like yeah. the roof can flip open like the... When, uh, like the Lego set? Yeah, I was just, yeah, yeah that's uh, a good word. I was, I was going to try to compare it to that fi- one obscure Family Guy scene, but I didn't know that I could do that in a half hour, so I'm glad you went right for the Lego set. <laughs> Where he turns the house into a puppet. Oh, my God. You, <laughs> okay, it wasn't <laughs> as obscure as I thought it was, apparently. <laughs> well, yes, what Derek said, much quicker than I was planning to go. So, uh, <laughs> so we cut back down to the Miracle Mile, and the other eyesores are starting to break away from their their pedestals or signs or whatever they're attached to the uh, first real thing we see is that the neon duff cowboy crushes a i guess a party van it's just like a van that's pulled over and decided to have like a good time <laughs> it's with the cowboy it, there's no real explanation the van yeah. is obviously kind of like skewed off the road and they're all out there but they're all very happy to be there it's very odd right and they're all cheering for him and like you said, it's like it's, it, they're just having a party below the billboard. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing we see is the uh, Zip Boys jump off from their the uh, overhang and they take to the street, but they're like the their heads are so oversized they fall over, which is a good visual joke. Yeah, that's one of my favorite lines from that episode is uh, where the old man comes out and starts yelling at them. Fellas, where you going at this hour? Hey. Don't scratch up them heads. So we cut to, this is an interesting little angle. Again, it's something I probably never noticed a detail of until watching him to cover for this episode. We cut to a TV and on the screen is Kent Brockman. I don't know that I ever noticed we actually went to a TV or we just weren't, usually they'll just cut to a TV broadcast, but this was the actual TV and it's Kent Brockman reporting on the roof of Channel 6 News and they're showing the advertising mascots rampage through the city, including the giant beret that's eating a building. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I love that thing. I didn't even go back to see what it was part of. I just I just I just went with the fact that the giant beret came to life and was attacking the town. I honestly think there's a hat store. Oh I'm sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I just it probably had like a quippy name too that I I can't even make one up, so I I'm trying to this is me think trying to think of a quippy name with hats and I can't. Like hats are us. There, let's move on. Because if I didn't say <laughs> something, Chateau, I would have been stuck here all night. <laughs> That's a good one, Karen. <laughs> What'd you say, Karen? I said Chapeau Chateau. I th- would have never thought of that in a million years. <laughs> that sounds good Hooray. to me. Hip hip array. <laughs> oh come on. That wasn't that bad. <laughs> and a hush falls over the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> so as Kent Brockman's reporting, he walks past a six news billboard that has a giant Kent Brockman mascot on it, and it comes to life and it grabs Kent and we Cut to the uh, technical difficulties, which I we I know I've seen this before, either before or after, and it always makes me laugh. It's a cute little puppy with the power plug in his mouth, tail wagging, while Kent Brockman is screaming for his life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we go down, we, we go further in the town. Otto has a run in with the Red Devil Realty Devil. I noticed in that scene that it's. Sherry or Terry, one of the twins, is sitting right behind him uh-huh. and practically gets thrown over the back of the seat. Like when he takes comes to a dead stop, it's almost like she chokes herself on the back of the seat. Oh, no, I didn't notice that. Yeah. That that's uh that's another one where uh, where he's getting the bus is getting eaten and he just looks and goes, Oh man, I'm having a dream. I'm supposed to be driving a school bus. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um well one of the great uh, 
just one-off scenes, but it works so perfectly, was a Mr. Peanut-like character walking down the street, picks up a car, cracks it open, and cracks it in two, <laughs> and eats the two people inside. <laughs> that was perfect. It had to be oh, two yeah. people, or it wouldn't have been as funny. Okay. Three, maybe. Sometimes you get a three, you get a lucky peanut, but... Uh, cut to Wiggum and Lou. They're both filling out a parking ticket, which, why the chief of police is filling out a parking ticket is another matter that we're not going to solve tonight. But then a large creature exits from the big and tall shop, men's shop, right a few doors down. Ah, oh, they're not so tough. Uh, chief, that wasn't a monster. That was the captain of the high school basketball team. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, he was turning into a monster, though. I think that's my favorite seed. Is it really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now we we have a uh, the we return to the Red Devil Realty Devil, and he is poised over the school. And there's a great little scene of Bart playing. It, it, it's they're they're leading us to think he's playing the angel and devil, but he's the double devil, whispering in both of his ears, convincing him to wreck the school, which he succeeds in convincing him to do, and he just stomps the crap out of it. Which the school's gotten destroyed quite a few times in Halloween. Yeah. Or, I almost said it again. Treehouse of Horrors. And in regular episodes. That's true, too. Yep. <laughs> yeah, giant ants. Yep. With the robot ants. Oh, right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and they cut, yeah, one snip Skinner right in half, didn't it? Yep. So now you said you we passed your favorite scene, Karen. This one is like I talked about in every segment we've done. Here's the scene for me that I think of when if you tell me uh, we're going to watch 50 foot eyesores or even the the, the topic of this episode comes up. This is when Homer's at home. He's lying in a donut again, but this time he's clothed and the doorbell rings and it's Lard Lad. And Homer says, oh, uh, if you're looking for that big donut of yours, um, Flanders has it. Just smash open his house. He came to life. Good for him. (laughs) (laughs) That's my line for this episode. Although it's followed very closely by the next one, which is when he, uh, when when the lard lad comes back, knocks on the door, rings the doorbell again. He opens the door and we see Flanders run by screaming. Homer goes, I told you Flanders has it. Or Mo. Go kill Mo. He's doing like the little <laughs> shoe thing with his hands. So that's, that's definitely my favorite scene in the episode. That, <laughs> that whole little segment. And I, I, you know, we did the the most quoted Simpsons lines. And but, I don't know if it was on my list or not, but I, I say that all the time. He came to life. Good for him. I've actually, you know, like like if somebody looks like they're falling asleep next to me at work, and then all of a sudden they, you know, wake back up. But I, I also love the little add-in of when Ned goes running by and he's just looking up to the skies saying, save me, Jesus. And he's just like <laughs> flying down the street. Yeah. Um, I have said, I, uh, not so much now. I think once my wife started saying it, it, it pointed out how much I did say it. But I'll, it's, it's one of those things, no matter how many times I go to Springfield at Universal, I take a picture of Lardlad. I take a picture of Lardlad. I take a picture of the Mo sign. I take a picture of the 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 duff kegs of one pipe going into duff dry duff light and and uh duff beer like like just like in the um cartoon and it had to be at least a year if not two years of taking the picture of a uh, lard lad i'd take the picture and i'd lower my camera and go he came to life good for him <laughs> and then my wife started saying it as i lower the camera i'm like okay i'm clearly saying it too much now so and i finally broke myself of the habit yeah. i still say we're parked in the itchy lot though oh you have to yeah yeah <laughs> So actually to follow up 
kind of like a hat trick of Homer lines here. His next scene is is just fits in so well with the flow of the other ones because as he sends Lard Lad to go kill Mo, March comes home, tells Homer, just give him back the donut and it'll end all this horror. And Homer very reluctantly says, Okay, if it'll end horror. <laughs> so that's like three solid lines in one great scene for this. So, and then the, the, the scene just keeps going. That's not the end of it. But now we start getting some other visuals here and, and starts with Lard Lad. He gets his donut back. He hand, raises it into the air to a little bit of a fanfare. He's smiling. And then he proceeds to smash cars and houses as he wa- with the donut as he walks away, which is great. And then another great exchange from Homer and Marge where Homer asks, don't you ever get tired of being wrong all the time? To which Marge actually, in a very moment of a uh, moment of honesty, says sometimes. <laughs> so now that kind of moves us on to like the last act of, act of the episode, and I will honestly say I forget about this. In fact, I note it because when I, like I said, I had just edited the uh, the draft episode, and Karen said it was one of my favorite episodes. And she said one of my favorite songs. And I just agreed. I really had no idea what you were talking about until I watched this again. I'm like, oh, I always forget about the last act of this. I must turn it off or something. But to let me explain for anyone listening and make more sense, although they probably already know what we're talking about here, is as Lisa looks into one of the footprints of Lard Lad, she sees the Van Brunt and Churchill ad agency stamp on the foot. And just as a little technical side note, it should be backwards on the imprint, but I'm, that's just a quibble. I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> so Lisa Lisa goes to the ad agency to find a solution. And the solution is, uh, as with all advertising, if you just stop paying attention to it, it goes away. And to help make this happen, the they write out a jingle and get Paul Anka to sing it. So once Lisa and Paul Ankle Paul Anka, <laughs> and that's not even that's not even an autocorrect. It's spelled right in my notes. I just said it wrong. Once Lisa and Paul Anka start singing the jingle, the town most of the townspeople start to look away, and the eyesores begin to fall. All but Lard Lad, who's enticing Homer with a, a, the donut and with a handwritten sign that says, now with sprinkles. <laughs> so uh, there's a great little bit, and mainly from Lisa, but Marge and Lisa pleading for Homer to look away. Lisa has probably the best threat she's ever given anybody. In any episode, and that's... Don't make us poke your eyes out, Dad! So Homer finally looks away, Lard Lad falls, the donut rolls away, and we get our Kang and Kodos appearance for the episode. As the donut rolls down the street past them hitchhiking with a sign that says, Earth Capital. To kind of put a button and wrap up the episode, we cut back to the news, the town is rebuilding, they're cleaning up, or whatever they're doing. Um, Kent Brockman has a stern warning that... Their, their advertising could be headed your way, and the next ad you see could destroy your home and your entire family. And then, just like that, they cut to a commercial. And that is the attack of the 50-foot eyesores. I would love to remember, be able to remember what the commercial was that aired. I know, right? right after. I mean, I'm sure it's different in, in every market, but of it would course, still yeah. be... <laughs> unless, unless it was, yeah, unless it's a, was a Fox commercial, of course. You're, you're, right. you're right, yeah. Um, we're gonna dig out those VHS copies. <laughs> right. I'm trying to remember. You know what would be really ironic with my slip of the tongue? There was a time where Fox was uh, partners with Universal Studios, and they had these Halloween Horror Night things running throughout. So that would be kind of funny if it was a Halloween Horror Nights ad. But that's that's. Mm. I think that's a pipe 
dream on my part. So can't have one without the other in my head, apparently. Apparently. And even when recording. So this is, and this is really weird for me. This is one of my favorite episodes until we get to that jingle. Because I'm going to be honest, and Karen might hate me. She already hates me because it's three <laughs> weeks into Halloween Horror Nights and she's not yeah. here. But <laughs> she might hate me. I This song annoys me. And I was annoyed listening to it again. Yeah, I've been okay. They had shot it at the Homer and Marge thing and then had Lard Lad walking down the street and kicking the dog. They could have just cut it off there and it just, you know. That would have been, if they would have, yeah. yeah, if they would have ended to the next thing, that would have been, and I, that must be where I stopped watching it because I always forget about that damn song. But Karen, you said this is one of your favorite songs, so I'm going to get your side of the story before I explain to you how you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I don't, uh, I don't know. It's one of the few songs that, that they've written specifically for the show. I guess that's why I like it. It's just, I don't know. It's it's the stupidest jingle. That's, yeah, that's true. It's I, I always get jingles stuck in my head, so that's probably why I like it. Okay. Well, I barely even have to prove why you're wrong with that argument. That's a that's a it's Mel Gibson man argument. It's Mel Gibson man. It's written for Simpsons man. Well, with that, I'll, I'll go ahead and give my review. And it's it, because of that jingle. I'm actually gonna go four out of five giant donuts on this one. Because it is still fun for the most part, but that one and w- watching it as a whole episode, which apparently I've not done in a long time, <laughs> that sing that that jingle I almost said single, which I guess it could be if you re- pulled the audio, but that jingle just it doesn't ruin the episode. But I that that takes a star away. I would much rather exactly where Derek said to stop it right after Larlad kicks the dog. That would be the great. That'd be the best last image and sound to hear for that episode. It would have been five out of five. But I am going to for with my own pick. Very surprised I'm saying this. Just give this a four out of five. I don't know. I just think the jingle goes goes with it because it's about ad, ad advertising. And nine times out of ten, advertising has some stupid jingle that gets stuck in your head. That's lame. That some advertising marketing VP that was like said no repeat that line four more times and then you've got it I just think it wouldn't be exactly the same without it <laughs> okay <laughs> of course Sorry, it wouldn't be exactly the that. same without it it would be different <laughs> it would end sooner <laughs> that's, that's, that's like a, yeah okay so far you are stating the facts that is true so what is your what is your argument again <laughs> <I'm never mind. laughs> I'll start arguing for that song okay well, what's your rating then? Let's go with that. Um, my rating for this one I would, is, I would say about four and a half wow, out of five. Okay. Um, I don't know that it's the, it's not way up on the top of my list, um, but it certainly is one of the, one of the first ones that I think of when you say Treehouse of Horrors. So. Okay. All right. I, I'm not going to argue with your opinion. I just was going to argue about that jingle, but you're not giving me anything <laughs> to work with. All right, Derek, what's your review on this one? Um, I'd also give it a four and a half. I, I, I really wanted to do this one. I enjoy this one a lot. I, I think the the whole Homer in the donut scenario is really funny. Um, and it's definitely one of those lines that, that sticks with me. Uh, that, you know, he came to life. Good for him. <laughs> And and just just the willingness to have the lard lad kill Flanders and then just go kill Mo, like the <laughs> fact that he doesn't even think about it, he's like, I'm going to protect myself, not the guy that supplies me beer, you know. It's, oh, yeah. 
it just makes me laugh. I, 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 I enjoy this one. And I don't know. I, I kind of wish I had a giant lard lad sitting at the edge of my table. You know, like they like they have the uh, the Bob's burger or not Bob's burgers, the, the big boys. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. The oh, big yeah. Statues. They need to make a lard lad one. I thought you were talking about the donut. I was going to say, have you seen the lard lad donuts they sell at Universal yet? <laughs> I Thanks, man. Huh? I have not. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't but making I a joke that you weren't yum there. Yums. But okay, I, I wasn't making the joke that you weren't there. I was just wondering if you'd seen it, like on social media or no, advertising. No, no. Are they huge? They're ridiculously huge. They're what Homer yeah. was actually looking for. Yeah, the ones from Yum Yums are about the size of a moped tire. Yeah, that's about. Yep. <laughs> so okay, well that's that's I'm I, surprisingly I'm the one who gave it the lowest rating, but it's still I mean it's a solid episode. The jingle did annoy me, but you don't have to actually it's supposed to yeah i guess that's yeah i mean it, that's what th- jingles do that's a that is a tough that that's a good argument that that's the best one you've that's what given. i was trying it to took get you there. that's why 50 minutes to get there but good <laughs> yeah, job but whatever <laughs> so, but yeah i mean i it's obviously never it has not affected it overall for me because i i picked the episode and i've quoted it and to the point that my wife is pointed out to me how much i probably overquoted so <laughs> it's a it's a good episode i just give it that four because of that that's that stupid song i'll be honest um all right moving on not lamenting on a jingle let's go with karen's pick karen what do you got for this episode i've got send in the clone all right from season 14 treehouse of horrors episode 13 this one aired on, this is what the November one. This one aired on November 3rd of 2002. Yep. Our first Ooh, one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, there's never made any sense. There's, there is nothing more annoying than watching Treehouse of Horror in November. Yeah. It's, it sucks. And with, and the ironic part of that is I've gone to, and I'm saying the right word. I have gone to Halloween Horror Nights in November because if the weekend falls on November, they will extend it. And that is, that doesn't, it's not as sucky a feeling, but it's like, it, it's also a weird feeling going after, especially if you are participating in trick or treating in your neighborhood. If you're, you know, interacting with the neighbors and handing out candy, then the next day you're going to a huge um, yeah. Halloween thing. It is a little strange. All right. Well, with that, all that diatribe out of the way about the November simpsons treehouse of horror which i could go on and on i'm not going to but (laughs) go ahead karen sorry i keep i can't shut up (laughs) no kidding yeah right take a step back i am the voice of 14 out of 15 shows on this network i don't know when to shut up because no one else is talking all right well i'm gonna talk now okay uh, I was, I'm <laughs> there was that way the- too long of a pause there for it to be an accident. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start with the opener of the episode. And um, th- this year, the opener is takes place. It's in the Simpsons home and they're, they're with Ned starting to hold a seance, the contact mod Flanders. So this season came three seasons after. Yeah. So Maud died in season 11. So this is like three seasons after her death. And they're just now trying to finally contact her, which I thought was interesting why they waited so long. But I guess they needed an opener. So that worked. Um, and as they're doing their seance, Bart comes in dressed, trying to, dressed as Maud, trying to scare everyone. 
And as they turn and look at him, they're legitimately scared. And he's like, it's just me, Bart Simpson. And they're all pointing, they're like, no, it's the real Maud. So, and you see Maud in ghost form. And I remember getting her in, in Tapped Out. They don't even have the actual Maud Flanders. They oh, just really? Have, <laughs> yeah, it's just ghost Maud. Just ghost Maud, yeah. Yep. That's kind of sad. It is sad. But hmm, what are you going to do? <laughs> sing Write a letters? Ju- sing a jingle. Start writing letters. <laughs> Maud is dead. Maud is dead. Blue foot longs, blue foot longs. <laughs> Anyways, so Ned is happy to see her. Says she looks as good as the day he buried her. How sweet! Oh. At that point, she turns into a flaming evil ghost and asks if they're ready for tales that will shatter your spine and boil your blood. At which point, Lisa goes, "Well, duh." <laughs> I love her response. It's like, "All right, let's get on with this." So Maud pulls out a book from her. Chris, I hope you're listening. Pulls a book out of her boobs. <laughs> okay, leaned into the mic on that. Like that was going <laughs> to wake him up. Wait, hold on. Yep, okay. Boobs. All right. Boobs. Well, it probably did. She pulls the book out and on the front of it, it says Treehouse of Horrors 13. And that's where we go into our, the first segment, which just happens to also be sending the clones. I just realized you, you. I think you said this, but I was actually listening to your summary. This is the first episode of the season. Is that right? Oh, it's in my notes. It is that could be? Is that right? There, there were several years where they were. It's almost as if they were just preempting the whole being put off by the World Series that's, that they didn't release episodes until after it was done. That's kind of what I was going to ask. Not that any of us are sports savvy enough to know that, but that. I mean, that's what I was always preempted it. So I guess they started preempting just the whole damn season now, huh? which I guess yeah, makes sense. I, mean, weird. I, I don't know what it takes to sell advertising. I, I'm not even going to pretend to, but I would imagine uh, selling like three episodes of a season and saying we may have a, a six to 10 week hiatus, depending on how long the playoffs go. And then we start up again. So I could actually see that from a financial and program planning standpoint, probably making sense. Yeah. Right. But then it, I don't know. I never liked that it was always the first oh, episode yep. of the season. Me neither. No. I didn't I didn't like that yet. I mean, I didn't mind having to wait, you know, every so often to see an episode just as long as they started it early. You know what right. I mean? Like I didn't mind that break so much, but I guess I don't I guess they changed either what time the World Series comes on. Because now it, it very rarely gets blocked off. We'd have to have Dave on real quick, but I don't yeah, see him I was online. Gonna say, we're gonna have to put a phone up from the day. <laughs> right. Segment starts with Homer getting into his hammock to avoid the family, basically. When Marge shows up with her to-do list, of which her favorite is number three, which happens to be write wedding thank you notes. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I mean, they've only been married for ten years, based on uh, Bart never aging. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess. Oh wait, oh, I don't. I was about to do some other math there. I'm not. No, I'm no. I'm not going there. Yeah, I stopped trying to figure out exactly when they were married. Yeah, because <laughs> they keep changing when they met. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> we do know. Mar- we do know. Lisa got married in the future about four years ago. I mean, wait, what? Right. <laughs> but Homer points out he can't do anything because someone made him too many pancakes. 
and he has to just he has to sleep them off. I love Marge's reaction here. <laughs> Me too. Oh, those were for the church breakfast. Where are they now? Which just conjures the mind how many pi- pancakes could there possibly have been? Right. right. <laughs> but he ate them all. Yep. Who could blame and, him? Pancakes are amazing. Oh, they're like eating a brick. A delicious brick. (laughs) Who's making your pancakes, Karen? (laughs) (laughs) The concrete consortium. Just at that point, Homer's hammock happens to break. And at the exact same time, with great luck, the hammock vendor comes by. And Homer gets all excited (laughs) because not only does he show up at the right time, he's a little early today. I love jokes that have, like, no explanation. And this is a great one of them. Yeah. Trailer Park Boys did this in spades by just adding the word again to a line. It's like, uh-huh. and then this this is a great one. This is just as good having, you know, right. no explanation of why there's a hammock salesman that walks by every, every day, even it's just like, once a week, whatever it yeah. is. Yep. It's like the hot dog vendor. Do you remember that one episode? There's a yeah. hot dog yeah, vendor yep. that kept following him. <laughs> yep. And they're in a cemetery and she's like, what are you doing? And he goes, she's, he's putting my kids through college. <laughs> <laughs> Now I remember, and, I, and there's a perfect, perfectly logical explanation why. But while watching this, and I wrote the note, and I went back and adjusted it, uh, I remember Gill as being the hammock salesman. Um, we'll know why later, but uh, right. until the explanation came up, I was like, "Why do I remember Gill as being the hammock salesman?" But I just wanted to put that out there for as Karen moves on. Yeah, he's more of a the sale that. Yeah, the hammock vendor is more of like a Willy Wonka type yeah, character. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> He's wearing a top hat and everything. <laughs> uh, so, so Homer does buy, he buys a new hammock for $10, but the hammock comes with a warning. The price is $10, but I must warn you, this is no ordinary hammock. Its webbing is a mesh of comfort and evil. You had me at comfort. <laughs> So, of course, as usual, he misses that it's evil. He misses the warning. It's all lost on him. Not that that would matter. True. And uh, so we see it after Homer hangs his his hammock. And uh, this, I think, has to be my, if it's not my favorite quote, it's it's pretty darn close of the whole thing. After he hangs it, he looks at it and goes, Mr. Hammock, say hello to Madam Ass. Yeah. (laughs) Which is why is his butt but, female? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, Do you really want to know the answer? That's I was, was going to say. It's like that's one of those another one of those jokes that are best, best left unexplained. <laughs> uh, so at that point, whoever jumps into the hammock and it begins spinning and it spins very quickly and shoots him out uh, and he's kind of dazed and right behind him is a clone of himself. Um. At which point he's like, it made another me. And he, he he checks his eyes, the teeth, notices that there's no belly button, and then takes a look in the pants and just <laughs> shuttles in the hangar. Yep. And every, so everything's okay. <laughs> so there's nothing weird about this, that this hammock just shot out another clone of him, as long as all the bits are there. Well, asks, I mean, you clearly don't know how important that is. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's valid. Me, me and Derek are like, yeah. What? Yeah. I, I don't see what you're you laughing at. Oh. <laughs> like, there was no better that. reaction than what you just gave. It's like being on an episode with Chris. No, that would have been much worse. <laughs> no, yeah, you would true. have had to take headphones off at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
He would have explained why it was important. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, Homer asks the clone if he wants to do some works. And this is where we figure out that the clone is even stupider than Homer because his. I love that response. <laughs> so he immediately puts the clone to work on the chore list. And the first thing he has to do is it's supposed to be replacing the light bulbs in the floodlights, but it looks as though he's taken apart all the floodlights and he quickly ele- <laughs> electrocutes himself. Right, yeah. <laughs> he's taken all the wiring out. Which you kind of have to imagine something like that would have happened with it. It's there's already a baseline wrong way that's going to be done by Homer in the first place. Now you add in the, the kind of lesser quality brain capacity of a clone and it just, it, it, it makes sense. It, right. but do, well, it does beg the question, like what would have Homer done and, and where did that transition point actually take place? Yeah. How much longer would it take Homer to get electrocuted? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's a great way to say it. Yep. 10, 20 seconds, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> so Homer walks up to him, gives a little kick and I think this is probably my favorite line. Looks at him and goes, yeah, you had a good run. His <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> whole 20 minutes of life. Yeah. But it was, it was a good one. So Homer tries, at that point, he tries to move the body. He wants to hide it and then decides that he's going to need help. Yeah. So he makes himself another clone, which helps him. <laughs> his way of hiding the body is just throwing it over to Flanders Yard. Right. <laughs> which, again, should be no surprise, but yet funny yeah. as hell. Yeah. Yep. At that point, Homer enjoys his beer, which magically appeared at his feet on the ground. Oh, it did? Yeah. I didn't notice that. They threw the body over, and then he leans down and picks up a beer out of nowhere. Oh, I had no idea. If he were smarty, we would put the beer in the haddock and then just continually clone to beer. Oh. But this is Homer we're talking about. Yeah, but he's smart about that kind of stuff. That's true. That's true. So yeah, it could it might have been laying next to the tree, maybe. Yeah, who knows how many beers he's set down and forgotten about over the years to begin with. That's true. Could have been left from the night before. Yeah, right. I, <laughs> tell me, all right. Admit right now, all three of us who has not found the beer went. Oh, that's where that was from. Maybe having a few too many the night before. Yeah, constantly. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. I yeah. think Karen waited to see was Derek going to say anything. <laughs> Because I'm not going to say anything if Derek doesn't say anything. I found them in the shower. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that I have. My wife puts them there to get me to go shower. (laughs) (laughs) I like your wife. (laughs) So She's only laughing because she knows exactly who and when she's going to do that to now. I know that laugh. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> oh. Uh, says Homer enjoys his beer. His clone asks beer for me. And Homer says, no, he has chores to do. So the clone Homer decides he also needs a clone. Yeah. <laughs> Need clone. <laughs> and Homer decides, oh, that, that's ridiculous. Where's he supposed to find a, oh, and that's where the light bulb finally goes <laughs> on. So he questions it for about two seconds, and in the two of them jump, and out come two more clones. Yep. <laughs> and it, it's, it's at this point that Homer finally realizes that this may be a magic hammock. 
Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Just, and it might just be the answer to all his problems. <laughs> I don't know. If I had four clones myself, that's like be a tremendous amount of projects that get started and never finished. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> all the things I could not finish. Podcasts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 389 of them, which have five episodes and then kind of mysteriously disappear. <laughs> Is that a crack? That's a crack of myself. That's oh. cracking all three of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, I didn't realize it was when I said yeah. it, but you are correct. It is. <laughs> so at this point, we switch seeds and we see Marge is and Homer or a clone of Homer are out shopping and Marge is checking herself out in the mirror while wearing a new dress. And Marge asks if the dress makes her hips look big. And the clone has the perfect response. Outfit good. Flatter's butt. (laughs) (laughs) So it takes a simple man to get it right. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Then we switch seeds again to another clone who's hanging out with Grandpa, listening to one of his rambling stories about Superman challenging FDR to a race around the world. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which, of course, happened. Yes. Of course. According to Grandpa. Yeah. (laughs) And then... um, the clone is, is listening so intently and nodding, and it, but obviously not understanding a word he's saying until Grandpa just finally falls asleep. Yeah. <laughs> so then we switch seats again to another clone who is hanging out with Lisa Bart and Maggie at the baseball field. This is my favorite one so far. <laughs> and I guess he's acting as almost like a T-ball holder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get. Yeah. sort of. Or it's you know, what it's you said t ball. What I thought of was one of those oh. wiffle ball launchers where you put yes. the little wiffle ball in there and you stomp on yeah. it and shoots it in the yeah, ground like a pop pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's right. I, I, wrong description. <laughs> and they're playing, and his response is "Me, good father." <laughs> At this point, Lisa <laughs> asks Bart if Dad seems dumber than usual, and it's it's it. The camera pans to Homer hitting the car or beating the crap out of the car with a baseball bat. And that, Bart's response is, me not notice. That is the him staring off in this, like looking at yes. absolutely nothing and mindlessly swinging that bat is, that's not my favorite scene, but it's damn close. Yeah. Uh, I love Bart's response. Yeah, it's, like, it's true. <laughs> perfect. So then we get back to Marge and her clone arriving home from shopping and at the door, Marge indicates that he's been such a sweetheart that they should go upstairs. And at this point, real Homer steps, tries to step in and uh, take over. But the clone Homer start, fights back and they start strangling each other, <laughs> at which he points out they are too evenly matched. Yes. <laughs> and Homer indicates that it would take three clones to defeat him, at which point all three clones look at each other and Homer backtracks and realizes no no four clones it would take four clones and the three clones <laughs> all in unison have their own annoyed grunt that's it's that is great it's it's there it's all four going eh? then all four going oh yes <laughs> because not only is it funny the three of them but it's like yeah that's what one homer would do yep yeah it's perfect you just add one and you keep, then he couldn't do it yep Right. And he wouldn't even question it. No, yeah. <laughs> so then the next morning, and this is, I think, this is a scene taken right out of parroting that um, 
Michael Keaton movie, Multiplicity, mm-hmm. where he's got all of his clones making breakfast for the family. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. I, I couldn't help but think of multipl- Multiplicity, obviously, but I didn't really right. pick up on any particular scenes. But now you say that, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, the dumb the dumb homers were definitely. I mean, just oh. that one the one clone. I forget what he, what his name was, but just perfect. I remember. Yeah. I do remember that from the trailer. Um, Michael Keaton saying, "You know, when you make a copy of a copy and it's not quite as sharp as the original." I was like that. I did think <laughs> of that as the homers started getting dumber. Yeah. So the family comes down for breakfast. Homer shoes all the all the. The clone's out. At that point, Ned pops in the window asking to borrow the chainsaw that Homer stole from him. Right. And Homer requires him to leave a credit card. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but refuses to take discover. discover yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Ned is required to leave his American Express yes. card. <laughs> so he sees a clone outside, holds up the chainsaw. Homer nods to him, think everything's fine. Marge comments that Homer seems to have the energy of 20 men lately. And Homer, of course, corrects her that it's 23 men. (laughs) (laughs) It starts rattling off the list of things he's going to do today with her and Bart, Maggie, and and Lisa. And then the clone returns to the window and holds up Ned's head. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Very happy about it, too. Yeah. Like, look, look what I did. <laughs> I done good. <laughs> Fixed your problem. <laughs> and Homer runs out, and the next scene we see he's got all the clothes crammed in the back of a truck, and is taking them to leave them in the middle of a cornfield. Yep. And this this is the scene I think of when I think of sending the clones. Now, before I abandon you in this cornfield, does anyone remember the way home? I do. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on. That's the part that I remember is him. Yeah. Come on. And <laughs> raises his hand. Bam. So once he takes care of all that, he opens the back gate of the trunk and all the homers fall out. They don't just step out. They nope. fall out. Yeah. <laughs> That's because they never move their head. They're always looking straight ahead into nothing. <laughs> yeah, with a dumb glare. Yep. <laughs> this is true. And he has the hammock with him, and he throws it out the truck window, saying he's sure <laughs> he's basically throwing it out so that the never troubles anyone again. Yeah. <laughs> but he's leaving it with all the clothes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so of course, the next scene we see one end of the hammock tied to a tree, the other end tied to a homer neck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> and they have just been sitting there making clones of clones of clones of clones. And we see them pay homage to like some of the, the other homers that oh, they've yeah. had through the season. We have king king size homers in there. There's like a nerd homer, uh the old old classic homer yeah. from from um Tracy Ullman show yeah. and Peter Griffin. Yep. <laughs> I love that. I love the pan of it. Like just they're scattered in it. And the last little group is just all the obscure ones. Just yeah. real briefly on the screen. I love that. Yep. And they even the have original ones as, oh, let's go get some little shakes. Yeah. Just yeah. Looking at original <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> so then the whole army of clones start coming over the hill. And <laughs> we see them. We s- at. <laughs> This is where Gil comes in. Yep, this is this is why I remember Gil in the episode. Yeah, 
He's this time he's a farmer. Yeah. Ah, look at that cord. Oh, Gil's hard work is finally paid off. And just then the army of clones mows through his cord. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, Gil, Gil can only comment, well, at least I have my health. Yeah. When a small flock of cones come through and basically eat all the flesh off yeah. his butt. Aww. Oh, Gil's always down on his luck, but he's never been eaten alive before. But is he dead? No, good point. He, yeah, his his head even bobs and he does his little, uh. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I always felt bad in that take it back to tap out game. Whenever, whenever they had like some big special thing and they uh-huh. would have Gil trying to sell it to you, but right. it was like 200 donuts. I'm like, no, sorry, yeah, Gil. Exa- yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And then you just feel bad. Yep. <laughs> right. So then we see the army of clones running into the Duff Brewery. <laughs> and all together, they're yelling, beer, 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 beer. <laughs> <laughs> you see them all run in. You hear the sounds of popping a beer, drinking a beer. Next thing you know, they're all running out back. <laughs> and they have a, a mass unzip with a mass pee-relieving sigh. <laughs> Which is one of my another favorite moment yeah. of mine. And then we have Kent Brotbank giving his report. And this... It's got to be one of the best descriptions I've heard that... Like comedy clubs in the late 80s, these ravenous clones are everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And they've taken out every building except Moe's, who is recording record business. And of course, you see the whole line of Homer standing outside waiting to get in. Moe asks, who's paying? And all of them reply, (laughs) Lenny is. And then he's anything for homers, <laughs> which somehow seems to be part of the news broadcast. Good point. I didn't because think of the, that. You see the Simpsons family sitting around watching the news report. And Lisa asks Homer if he has anything he'd like to tell them. They look like you. They were rude to Patty and Selma. And the horde has been described as very gassy. Yeah, it's a good group. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so... The part I'm loving about this is Karen's cracking herself up with her descriptions. I I love this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So then they switch to a war room. There's a lot in this episode. (laughs) Yeah, it's a heavy one. Yeah, they switch to a war room that shows the map of how the homers are infiltrating Springfield. It shows how it spreads through Springfield. And then it has like a zoom out of just the United States. And it... (laughs) When it shows how it's going to take over the United States, it it comes in from all different sides and the center. <laughs> right. Instead of it spreading from one spot out. Where they all are right now. Right. Yeah. yeah. Multiple spots in. Do, so do you, you can they, never determine where they are. Exactly. That's what I was going to ask. Do you think that had something to do with the mystery where Springfield is? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good point. They've always been good at covering up any kind of indication as to any kind of state that they may be in. At that point, Homer starts freaking out in the corner because they're out of donuts, which at that point gives Lisa an idea. (laughs) And the war general's response is, thank God, you said we shouldn't let little girls in the war room. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, because why is, why are Lisa and Bart and Maggie there? Why are any of the Simpsons even there? That's a good question. You've ruined the episode now. 
Sorry. No, I'm just kidding. So you find out that Lisa's idea is that they have a bunch of helicopters with large donuts that end up leading the clones over a cliff like a bunch of lemurs. A cliff or is it Springfield Gorge? Oh, you know, it might be Springfield Gorge. Because they're falling like Homer did when he tried to jump it on the skateboard. Right. Bouncing off every rock. Yeah. Yeah. I stand corrected. Well, it's a cliff that goes into the Springfield Gorge. Okay. Let's let's all sing about it now. Oh, oh, oh. Springfield Gorge, Springfield Gorge. <laughs> <laughs> so we see Marge on the phone with the general fighting at the horde is almost dead. That there's still so writhing and twitching. <laughs> and her and Homer start to snuggle. At which point, Marge notices that there's no belly button, which indicates that that's not the real Homer. She's wondering what happened to my real Homer and. The clone answers, First over cliff. <laughs> so he fell for the giant donut again, yep. as always. <laughs> At first, Marge is all distraught, and then the clone offers a back rub, and Marge shrugs it off, and then we have the end of the episode. And that's where it ends. Yep. Marge is now married to a clone. <laughs> but a sensitive clone. That's true. A back starting sensitive clone. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, this is one of my favorites. It's like crack myself up through the whole you thing. Did yeah. <laughs> so uh, I would give this what? What are we with donuts this time? Oh no! I just said donuts for that one. Oh okay. We'll say clones. There you I'll go. Give it five clones out of five. Five out of five clones. <laughs> All right. This I, I this is this was fun to watch. It it is a it's another classic one. Um we're starting to get into years where there's not so many classic ones, but this this one still holds up. I think it falls just a little short. There could be one more really good like big joke like we just talked in the last episode where it was like that whole sequence where there was line after line after line. This one had a lot of good moments and some incredible things, but there's not like yeah. one section that stands out Maybe the shooting of the clones that that's close, but it, that would they'd have to go like a little longer. Like when the dogs were eating the chips out of his hand when they did that 101 Dalmatians parody. Yeah. Like if mm-hmm. it went longer than that, right. then I would probably pump it up to a perfect five out of five clones. But just falling just a little short of like a big laugh sequence, I'm gonna go 4.5, which is still nothing to sneeze at. It's it's still a lot of fun to to watch, and it is it's it's a it's. Uh, later, well, I guess not later. God, we got like 14, 15 years after this, still go- and still going. Yeah. But as far as the, uh, we're, we're starting to trail off now. But this is this is one of the one that holds up with the the early legacy for sure. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to agree with Matt on the four and a half. Um, I, I enjoy this one, but I, I wouldn't. You know, it's it's definitely not one that was on my list. Um, I did like the multiplicity reference. And I kind of wish that they had done something with uh, the the hammock thing, with like maybe him having called Hank Scorpio to get that location for the hammocks district again. <laughs> oh. You know, maybe yeah. call Marianne and see if Marianne could get in the hammock. But I mean, I, it, it would have been a funny little add-on. But um, I mean, the idea is clever, but you know, there's only so much you could do with a collection of clones. I did like the way they killed them though. I, I, I thought, yes. you know, if you're going to take Homer out, you might as well do it with giant donuts. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that is send in the clones. We got one more 
And this one is Derek, so we'll just turn it over to Derek at this point. Yes. Uh, for my pick this week, I am doing uh, from Treehouse of Horrors number four from season five, I am doing The Devil and Homer Simpson. Uh, this aired on October 28th of 1993, so just a few days before the holiday. Um, another another before the holiday one, which we always like. Yep. Um, it started out with uh, the Tombstones uh, gimmick because it was still the early 90s and that was still our thing uh, to the point where as they got to the Simpsons house, one of the Tombstones said TV violence and then it gets shot up and all the blood starts pouring out of it. <laughs> Um, and the couch gag is they zoom in on the couch and all the Simpsons start crawling out of zombies. Yes. Uh, there is a running theme through all three of these where Bart is in a museum and he is showing paintings of pure evil. But at the same time, he has to carry Maggie around because Marge <laughs> is busy at the gift shop buying some earrings. Yes. <laughs> and uh, once again, she wants him to notify everybody that this might be a scary thing and, you know, kids should probably turn it off. Uh, it, it was kind of a, a nod to Rod Serling. Yes. And uh, Night Gallery, the way they the way they had it set up. Uh, so then Devil and Homer Simpson was the the first segment. And the Devil and Homer Simpson is a reference to a short story called The Devil and Daniel Webster, which is about a farmer who sells his soul for his crops to grow. Wow, you've just cultured this huh. whole series up to a level I never anticipated. Yep. Well, that's exactly why I picked this one, Matt, because of the culture. <laughs> <laughs> and not because the Philadelphia Flyers are in it. <laughs> oh, no, this was no. the first show of any kind I was participating with you, and I might buy that, but I know better now. <laughs> no, um, I didn't know that either, to be honest with you, so... So uh, when I was doing my research, I'm like, oh, well, I figured it had to be a reference to something. Uh, but I know I had never heard of Daniel Webster. Mm. Um, so the episode starts out with Homer at a fashion show for donuts. <laughs> I forgot uh, about this sequence and was like, what? And then, yeah. like, oh, OK, I get yeah. it. So he's sitting at the end of the runway as a quote, vision in strawberry cream comes walking down the aisle. Uh, the runway and it's just a pair of long legs and a donut yep <laughs> and and homer's all dapper and like oh magnificent <laughs> and we pull out of that and homer is literally standing in the break room in front of a box of donuts sound asleep yeah <laughs> uh he wakes up and sees the box and gets all excited but is quickly uh saddened when he opens it and they're empty uh he finds Lenny and Carl behind him enjoying the donuts. And they say, sorry, man, while you were sleeping, we ate all the donuts. <laughs> and Carl says, well, not all the donuts. We did hurl some at an old man just for kicks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it turns out the old man is Grandpa Simpson, who is being chased by crows. And he's heard to yell, <laughs> I ain't dead yet. <laughs> and what, what Grandpa's doing walking around the plant, I have no idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> But it was definitely a funny sight gag. Yes. So Homer, in a panic, runs back to his station at the power plant where he pulls out the emergency manual book. And when he opens it, it's carved out. And it's obviously a stash box. And he pulls out a note that says, Dear Homer, I owe you one emergency donut. Yeah. <laughs> Signed, Homer. Yes. 
And as Homer's ripping up the note, he goes, that bastard! He's always one step ahead! (laughs) (laughs) So Homer, in an even more desperate attempt to get a donut, decides that he would be willing to sell his soul for a donut. At which time, a burst of flames pops up, and Ned Flanders appears Mm -hmm. as the devil. Uh, Homer looks at him and goes, Flanders! You're the devil? (laughs) It's always the one you least suspect. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, Ned starts giving him the typical devil speech. Don't, you know, if I give you this, you have to know that it's going to be your eternal soul. And before he can even get the speech done, Homer's like, where's my donut? Come on, where's my donut? (laughs) Um, They do a good little cut here where uh, they go into uh, Burns' office and they're watching everything on the monitors. And Burns is actually watching this interaction go on. And he looks at Smithers and he says, Who's that goat-legged fellow? I like the cut of his jib. Uh, Prince of Darkness, sir. He's your 11 o'clock. Yeah, that note too. (laughs) Homer starts inhaling the donut, which is brought to him by a small demon wearing a Hell's Kitchen apron. Um, And he starts just inhaling the donut. And and the devil's already kind of laughing because he knows the second he finishes that donut, the soul is his. And in a moment of brilliance, Homer realizes that if he doesn't finish the donut, <laughs> the devil can't have his soul. And the devil kind of acknowledges, well, yeah, you kind of got me there. To which Homer starts singing, I'm smarter than the devil. I'm smarter than the devil. <laughs> uh, not a jingle, by the way. No. <laughs> but It's uh, more of a taunt. Yeah. It is quite the taunt. Um, to which Flanders turns into a much more stereotypical look of the devil, much like the, uh, the devil in like Fantasia or something. Oh, right. And yeah. says, and says, you are not smarter than me and I will have your soul yet. And, and, and Homer does his little cheeky, like he, he, he kind of laugh as he puts the donut, the remaining donut in his pocket. I love that little bit of animation. Cause we're not quite into the, uh, entirely, uh, computer animated or computer assisted animated animation. It's still, I think largely hand drawn and the going from the, the Fantasia devil, as you described it into the portal of hell with a little bit of Flanders, a glimpse of Flanders at the end is really neat. I really like that little mm-hmm. piece of animation. Yeah. There's that nice little touch where at the last second you see him turn back into Flanders. You're yes. right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a lot of, a lot of really cool animation with like the way things are coming in and out of the floors. Uh, especially in the later scene where he gets sucked into hell. Yeah. Uh, so, so we're, we're back at the, uh, the Simpsons estate and Homer is doing a little midnight walking and decides he needs a bite to eat and starts scanning through the, uh, the refrigerator and he gets to the forbidden donut and there's a whole bunch of signs reminding him not to eat it. But I, I, I made a note of daddy's soul donut yeah. Because if we ever start a jazz band, that's what we're going to call it. <laughs> Daddy Soul Donut. Yeah, why not? Uh, you know, coming to the stage, Daddy Soul Donut. Now, um, apart from it, obviously, wouldn't be a story if we if they did that. But why do you just not give it to Marge to hide, possibly even lock in a lockbox and bury 50 feet underground so that there's absolutely no way what's going to happen happens? No, you're right. I mean, but to that point, you know, we have to see the contract. I mean, I does know, it right? have to be Homer? That's I mean, go true. back to the monkey's paw. 
Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. You remember the whole concept of does it have to be somebody that is Homer's blood that can make that wish? Right. I mean, because if that's the case, then you could have just thrown the rest of the donut to the dog and you would have been done. Oh, that's true, too. Yeah. You know, but they definitely should have. I mean, if, if Marge knew about the forbidden donut, which she clearly did. Yeah. Then she should have been a little bit more proactive because we all know Homer has no self control. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, Especially when he's being told not to do something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Homer, of course, does throw that last piece right down his gullet, and instantaneously Flanders reappears. Flanders starts pulling Homer into the pits of hell, and uh, Marge and the kids show up. And one of the one of my favorite little bits in this is. Everybody runs in, and Marge and Lisa are screaming, and Bart just looks over, and the devil says, Hey, Bart. Yep. He goes, hey. <laughs> like, the, like, they're all chumps. Right, yep. Um, so Homer gets sucked into hell, and uh, or is starting to get sucked into hell, and Marge and Lisa convince him, that convince the devil that they got him his day in court. You know, it's only fair. He has to get his day in court. So the devil <laughs> yeah, says... He, he goes a little further and saying... You was it's just so much easier in Mexico. Yeah, you, you damn Americans <laughs> and your and your politics. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he says that's fine. Tomorrow at midnight, we'll we'll have trial, and uh, until then, Homer gets to spend the night in in hell. Yep. So he has to plunger him into hell because uh, <laughs> he's too big for the hole. And uh, the first thing that happens is he lands on a conveyor belt and get chopped up for hot dog meat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I noticed something weird. I was doing some research and they were saying that there was another scene where Homer's head gets used as a bowling ball. But in the in the episode that I actually watched, I didn't see that scene. So I'm wondering if there's like an extended episode somewhere that that I haven't mm. that I didn't have the pleasure of seeing. So, that sounds familiar. Um, yeah. I don't remember. And it would explain this. something a little bit later. Okay. Too. <laughs> um, so the next thing that happens is Homer gets taken to to uh, the Department of uh, – what is it called? Oh, I wrote it down. Uh, yeah, I have to. I just completely lost it. The Ironic uh, Punishment Department. Uh, yes, the Ironic <laughs> Punishment Department where he is strapped into a chair and force-fed donuts – for eternity, even though it's only a 24 hour period. Um, I made a note that the blue demon that's feeding him looks at him and goes, I don't understand it. James Coco went mad in 15 minutes. And when I was a kid, I had no idea what that meant. Right. So I had to look it up. And, and uh, James Coco was apparently an actor who liked to trace somebody that food and then actually had his own line of cookbooks and cooking shows. Yeah. So I, only- I mean, no, James Coco, because he was sort of kind of featured in an episode of Muppets in Character we once did, and Christy actually knew far too much about him and explained <laughs> it to me and Karen. Yeah, he was he was on an episode of the Muppets. I think he was on Coosbane with them. Yep, he, he sang. Uh, yeah. yeah, he was. He popped in and out, and then he also sang "Short People" to the Muppets in, in this yes, finale. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah, that's honest to God. That's the only way I knew James. Coco. <laughs> right. Yep. <yeah. laughs> and this and that whole ironic torture department scene from beginning to end is my favorite scene and it's for one yeah. word and it's when the last bit of donuts goes in his mouth and he goes more yeah <laughs> romp, 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 more more yep. more <laughs> um so we go back to the simpson house and the stroke of midnight hits a uh, a flame cage 
come up from the ground with Homer in it. And like I was saying about the bowling scene, Homer's head falls off. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that had something to do with it. But like I said, I didn't see that part of it. So I'm a little yeah. curious. Um, so Marge introduces the lawyer, who is, of course, the great Lionel Hutz. Ah, for, yes. You know, the late, great Phil Hartman. Yep. Uh, Lionel, who is combing his hair with a fork, which he may yes. or may not have stolen from the Simpsons, uh, and says, Mr. Simpson, don't you worry. I watched Matlock in a bar last night. The sound wasn't on, but I think I got the gist of it. Yep. <laughs> I think that is my favorite line of this episode. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. You, you, can't, you can't go wrong with Lionel Hutz. He, he, nah. He's just brilliant. That was um, a good Lionel Hutz line, but I think my favorite Lionel Hutz line of the episode is like next. Yeah. So, so the devil shows up. Uh, the judge shows up and he's just the skeleton judge. And, uh, he says the court of infernal affairs er, is now in session. And, uh, Lionel Hutz decides we need some ground rules. So he says, I demand that we have bathroom breaks every half an hour <laughs> to Flanders saying, fine, but I get to select the jury. And he goes, sure. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Flanders selects the jury, and this is one of my favorite parts of the episode. Uh, it's the jury of the damned, yep. including John Wilkes Booth, Lizzie Borden, John Dillinger, Blackbeard, Benedict Arnold, the starting lineup of the 1976 Philadelphia <laughs> Flyers, yeah. and Richard Nixon. And this is one of those, one of those instances that will <laughs> come up doing a show that's on this time. He was not dead at the time. He has, of that's course, true. since passed away. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of that, most of the lineup for the 76 Flyers, I don't believe, were dead at this time. Right. Yep. yep. I mean, it's only, I mean, it, it oh, yeah. was barely 20 years later, you know? Yeah. But, uh, and the other thing, the, the Flyers were blue. Which is weird. You know what's really insulting about that is that not only were they blue, but the um, 1976 Pittsburgh Penguins uniforms were blue. That's true. So that's uh, really insulting. Those bastards. Yep. Well, that's what happens when you get it colored in Korea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Marge didn't realize all these people were going to show up, so she starts putting out chairs. Poor Lizzie Borden is in one of those weirdo ergonomic bench <laughs> things I that, that. I, yeah. I tried to sit in once, and I almost broke my neck. Yeah. So, <laughs> and uh, Blackbeard gets stuck in a high chair, to which he says, "Are this chair be high? Say I." Yeah. <laughs> which it's like, okay, I don't, I, I don't know a lot about Blackbeard, but I, I guess that's the the most piratey thing he could have said. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. So they start the trial, and it's it's a fairly easy trial because the devil has the document that says, I sell you my soul for a donut. So they're all like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. He sold you sold your soul for a donut. You're guilty. And then Lionel Hutz gets up and, and is like all prepared. He looked at Homer, and he's like, don't worry about this. I got this. This is fine. And uh, goes up and gives the de- definition of... <laughs> of what a contract is. But I ask you, what is a contract? Webster's defines it as an agreement under the law which is unbreakable. Which is unbreakable. And that's that was that's my favorite Lionel Hutt lines. Yeah. Lionel Hutt's lines. Where he gives the straight definition, yep. and then he instantly has that look upon his face of, ah, damn it, I just screwed <laughs> up. <laughs> Cannot be broken. Cannot be broken. Oh. So, of course, Hutz decides he needs to go to the bathroom, and uh, you watch the clock go for an hour. 
and uh, March finally goes to open the door and he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is typical. I mean, this isn't the first time that Lionel Hutz has hightailed it out of there. Um, so she comes back in and, and they're all ready to say guilty, guilty, guilty. And March screams, wait, wait, and grabs her photo album from the wedding. And uh, it's a picture of March and Homer and Dr. Hibbard, who I believe had an afro at this point. Because <laughs> we all know Hibbard has different hair for yeah. every generation. Yes. Um, and, and they're like, wait a minute, you got married in a hospital? And she says, well, no, Homer ate all the wedding cake and got a stomach ache. <laughs> yeah. So they're all laughing at Homer. And she's like, look at the back. Look at the back. So they flip over the back. Blackbeard takes it and re- looks at it for a minute and decides that it's a treasure map. And Benedict Arnold taunts him and says, you can't even read. What are you talking about? So they take it away from him. And basically on the back of the, uh, the back of the photo, it says, dear Marge, you have given me your hand in marriage. All I can give you in return is my soul, which I pledge to you forever. So Lizzie Borden decides that, you know, well, we have to choose that Marge wants the soul outright. It wasn't Homer's to give away in the first place. And uh, the devil has to concede. But, you know, he can't just concede. He's got to give a little bit of added punishment. Uh, so he says, this curse will be upon your head forever. Uh, to which they pan out in dark. And then when they pan out uh, bright again, it's the next morning. And they're all sitting at breakfast. And Homer's head is a giant donut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's eating it and eating it. Marge yells at him, stop picking at him. Yeah. He goes, but I'm so sweet and tasty. <laughs> so the, the final bit is uh, Homer saying, all right, well, it's time. I, sh- I guess I should go to work. And Lisa begging him not to go because the entire Springfield Police Department is standing outside the house yeah. with their <laughs> mugs of coffee ready to go. Don't worry, boys. He's got to come out of there sometime. And that's the end of the episode. Um, I I love this one. I, I I think it's silly, and I think Homer gets some really smart points in there. Like he 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 tricks the devil. Uh, I think, like I was saying with the the letter to Marge, there's some sweetness in it. Um, and of course, you know the flyers are in it, so you, know, you can't go wrong there. <laughs> um, I, I I think it's I, I like the little tag at the end with uh, Homer having the donut head. So, uh, and this is the third one for this episode that has something to do with donuts. <laughs> so, uh, I would give this five donuts out of five. Yep. Um, it's, I do love this episode too. I mean, it's, 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 it's got a really good story. The ironic torture department room is my favorite and it has the flyers. And I do watch this one every year when I go through them. It's easy to do because it's early in the run, but also I really like it a lot. Uh, it also has the Devil Flanders, which is in my Treehouse of Horrors um, mm. action figure pack. And there's not much more I can say about it. I mean, we had a good discussion on it, and it pretty much speaks for itself. So I'm going to go with a, a five out of five on this one myself. This is my first five out of five that we discussed tonight. So I'll call it a five out of five forbidden donuts. Is that yeah? That's what it was. Forbidden mm-hmm. donuts. Chris donuts. donuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is. I I agree with both you. Yes, I give it a five out of five. Also, it, it's one of the go tos, and another one that when you see Chaos Horrors, I always think of the ironic punishment with the donuts, and of course the the flyers. 
<laughs> of which I know for a fact that two of them are still alive. Many, I think most of them might still be alive, too, because I know Bernie yeah. Perrot and Bobby Clark are still alive. Yeah, yeah. So. All right, well, that does it for The Devil and Homer Simpson, and that does it for this third episode of Podcast of Horrors. I want to thank you for listening. If you are just tuning in for the first time to this or to anything on NeoZaz, check out everything we do at NeoZaz at NeoZaz.com. Uh, we have a ton of Halloween specials this year. We're right in the midst of Halloween with this episode. So check out everything we have for not only Halloween, but for we have some, well, at least one other Simpsons special, maybe two by the time this comes out. But Simpsons is something we wanted to cover for a while. And we're finally doing it. And we're probably end up doing more with getting this ball rolling. Uh, also check out our flagship show, Star Wars in Character. Uh, that's where we discuss some obscure things and characters from Star Wars. Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. That's the show that covers the Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights annual event. Probably the biggest and definitely the best Halloween event anywhere. And check out Derek on The Tick versus The Podcast. The only podcast dedicated to The Tick. Happens to be the best. And that's just not a technicality. It's very good on top of being the only one. So, oh, thanks, sir. You're welcome. So, all that and more at neozaz.com. We'll be back again with another episode next week, and that'll also be part of our War of the Worlds week. So, my choice from the draft, if you heard it, will be featured that week because it is a War of the Worlds inspired segment. But what the other two segments are going to be, that is a mystery to me as well as, a, as, as of this recording. So, we'll all find out together. So, until then, I'll say one more time thank you for listening, and we'll see you in that next episode.